0: How are you doing? You doing okay? Alright. Hey, we apologize. It's a little chilly in here today. The, we got here and Diane, well, she gets here about 8.30 or whatever and the heat wasn't working. It was working last night when I was here, but it wasn't working this morning. And so you run into that every once in a while. And I think it's happened just a handful of times over the years. And if it happened on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday... But of course it has to happen when. And it just makes it more exciting. So it's happened a time or two over the years and and uh you know by the time you call the company and get them here on the emergency service they'll get here at noon and, and so it will be done by then. And so I think we're going to make it though, don't you? It's just, it's just a little bit, actually we got these little heaters going here and had the fans running. It's only a couple of degrees colder than normal, so some of you ladies going through the change of life, this is a Sunday dedicated to you because you like the cooler weather or the cooler temperatures. But uh, this is, uh, I'd say if you'd knocked off about 25 degrees, you would have the same temperature we had when we were, Meeting there at the Stratford Inn that first uh, Sunday that we, or the first Christmas Sunday of this, that we had this church and see, can you see my breath? No, but it, when I was preaching there over at the Stratford Inn, you could see my breath. And so uh, so we've got it really good. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people up in the Yukon and different places. They don't have it near as warm as this. And so we've got much to be thankful for, don't we? But having said that, I'm going to preach a little quicker today. Go to Ezra, Ezra, the fourth chapter, Ezra, the fourth chapter. we'll, we'll they'll have it fixed by... Uh, Tomorrow or Tuesday, the company will come and, and have it fixed. Anyway, it will be nice and toasty for next Sunday. Ezra, the fourth chapter. Notice here, the Bible says, Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. And the people of Judah were the people of God. And notice here, there, there were people that came out to discourage the people of God. They troubled them in building And hired counselors against them, look at this, to frustrate their purpose. I'm going to talk for just a few minutes today about dealing with discouragement. And notice here it says in Ezra that they hired counselors to come and frustrate their purpose. Have you ever felt like some of the people in your life were almost hired (laughs) to discourage you and to frustrate you? I know I've had, uh, I, I you know I've had a bunch of good people in my life over the years. You being among them, but I tell you what, I've had a bucket load of people that I I, f- I felt like they were hired by the devil to, to come and frustrate me and discourage me and and just suck all the joy right out of me. We call them the joy suckers. Have you ever? <laughs> and uh, you know, there are certainly people here today that are dealing with discouragement. You know how I know that? Because we all deal with it at one time or another. Maybe it's with your health. You know there's people that are trusting God for their health and they're believing God for, for healing and standing in faith but, but they're still not fully healed like they would like to be. Other people are dealing with discouragement in their relationships You know, that's a big area where discouragement comes because you're dealing with other people. And when you're dealing with other people, there's nothing you can do to change people. And God won't do anything to change people because he won't violate their wills. And so when you deal with people, you open yourself up to a a lot of potential discouragement just because you're dealing with people. And, And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good people. Lots of good people, but have you noticed there are some people that it just seems like their lot in life is to discourage you? I know I've dealt with that. Jobs, maybe your job isn't going the way you'd like it to be going. And with jobs, finances, uh, back on relationships, maybe your marriage isn't going right. Maybe it's, you know, I've watched a lot of people over the years in their marriages and they're just discouraged. They're just discouraged with it and again you're dealing with you're dealing with the, your spouse you know and and uh, you can't change your spouse by the way there's take it from me all you can do is change yourself it's all it's all you can do and you can pray for your spouse but it's up to them to change themselves the only thing you could do is change yourself and uh, there's others other people are discouraged you know jobs finances um, and then another one is this one here, unattained goals or expectations. Unattained goals or expectations. You know, uh, have you ever felt like you're not as far along in life as you, you, you ought to be, or you feel like you should have accomplished more, or anybody feel like that besides me every once in a while? And, you know, something I'll just throw this in now, so I don't forget to say it later. Be sure that your goals are realistic and reasonable. There's a lot of people that are frustrated and so discouraged and you get to talking about them or talking to them about what they're, what they're wanting to be uh, and they're frustrated because the goal that they have is not even reasonable or realistic to start with. Now, let me give you an example. Uh, does anybody know who Peyton Manning is? He's that great, quarterback football player? Do you know there's a lot of people that are probably, somebody told them when they saw them playing little league football or they saw him, you know, in high school football and somebody walked up and said to that kid, you know, that was a quarterback, So you know, you're going to be the next Peyton Manning. And now 10 years has come and gone and that kid isn't the next Peyton Manning. How many of you know that there's only... A few people that are going to be star quarterbacks. Is that right? And to think that you're going to be the next Peyton Manning isn't even realistic, is it? Is it? Um, Okay, I see you're not getting it, really. So I'll give you another example. The quicker you get it, the quicker we get out of here. (laughs) If I told you that I'm going to have a ministry bigger than Joyce Meyer... I'm just so discouraged. I'm just so discouraged. Why are you discouraged, Pastor Terry? I just don't have a ministry as big as Joyce Meyer. Listen, that's not realistic, is it? So why should I beat myself up all day because I don't have a ministry as big or bigger than her? That's not even realistic to start with, is it? So should I beat myself up over that? Or, or you know, sh- you know, I just I'm just so discouraged. Why are you discouraged, Pastor Terry? Well, because I, I'm I'm not as good a golfer as Jack Nicklaus. I don't have the I don't ha- I don't have the record as Jack Nicholas. Well, is that even realistic to start with? So there, what am what am I trying to tell you? There's a lot of people, and I've met them, and I I am one of them that are discouraged beyond measure because because they don't have what they think they should have and in the beginning it was never even realistic to have that kind of a goal anyway. Did, did you get what I just said? Did you or didn't you? Yeah. Now, now, there's nothing wrong with having goals and there's nothing wrong with having big goals and there's nothing wrong with, with with shooting for those big goals. I like what one minister said. It's really good. He said, I'd rather believe for 100% and get 50 than believe for 10% and get it all. Do you get that? So there's nothing wrong with having goals. There's nothing wrong with having expectations. But just be sure those expectations are realistic. It would be has anybody ever heard of Hussein Bolt? Okay? Somebody tell her who Hussein Bolt is. He's the fastest man, he's faster than Steve Austin. Do you know who Steve Austin is? He is the six million dollar man, the bionic, you know, the guy that could run 60 miles an hour. Well, Hussein Bolt can't run that fast, but he, I think he's like the, one of the fastest men that's ever lived. Now, would it be realistic for me to be discouraged because I can't run as fast as him? That's not even realistic. So all I'm saying to you is, is that I've seen a lot of people over the years, and I've been this way myself, they're so discouraged because they haven't gotten to a certain level or a certain place. And when you talk to them, you realize, remember that one lady that sat in our office that time, and she, she was discouraged because she, wasn't, she thought she was going to be the next Catherine Coleman. Remember that? How many remembers Catherine Coleman, that great healing evangelist? But you see, that lady's, her, it was unrealistic for her to be thinking that she was going to be, you know. But I've met so many people, they're so discouraged because they haven't attained a certain thing and that thing wasn't even realistic to start with. Did you get that? So just be sure that your goals, set them high and, and, and shoot for them, but don't set them so high that, that, that they're just unrealistic and unreasonable. Other people are discouraged because their children aren't doing right or they're not, they're not living right. Uh, I want to give you a little encouragement, though. Our granddaughter, who, was a, a, who, who said she was an atheist and would never, you know, she's now quoting the Bible to people, isn't she? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So don't ever give up on people. See, there's much reason to be discouraged when we looked at her a few years ago. And if you look at her now, there's some reason to be discouraged. But I tell you what, she's moving the right way. So you understand. But maybe your children aren't doing right. Maybe you have the sickness of a loved one or the loss of a loved one. Or you can't see. Have you ever been where you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak? Well... How do you, what do you do when, when this discouragement happens? What, what, how do you deal with it? So let me just talk a few minutes on how do you deal with discouragement. And right here, you're in Ezra chapter 4. Look at Ezra chapter 5. That's the next chapter, verse 1. So these people were discouraged, and they, people had been hired to come and frustrate them. So I've never had anybody that I know of that has been hired to to come and discourage me. Uh, the people that have discouraged me over the years have done it for free. But, but these people had hired. And so these people have professional people coming to frustrate them. But look at Ezra chapter 5 verse 1. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah. The son of Ideo, Prophets. Now notice Haggai and Zechariah. Prophets. Notice, they prophesied to the Jews. These people who were being discouraged, Haggai and Zechariah, prophesied. or That just means they spoke words from God to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of of Israel who was over them. So Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel and Yeshua, the son of Zodiac, rose up and began to build the house of God which is in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them helping them. What is the first thing that you want to do when you're being discouraged? I would recommend staying hooked to the local church. Stay hooked to the local church and stay hooked to a man or a woman of God that's going to speak words of life into you. Can you say amen to that? And that's what happened here. Actually, Zechariah. when you study into Zechariah and you look at his life he was actually I, I call him the cheerleading prophet the cheerleading prophet he 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 noticed what he did here along with haggai he he uh built the people up and 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 helped them uh did you know we all need cheerleaders in our lives uh it, it, we and we ought to be cheerleaders we ought to encourage other people but but we all need some cheerleaders in our lives have you ever seen those cheerleaders out at the football games or the basketball games? And They never had cheerleaders at the golf. I don't know why we never had cheerleaders at golf. I guess that'd be fruit me out there hitting a golf ball and have the cheerleading squad out there cheering the golf. But they cheered the wrestling, they cheered, uh, baseball, football, bat. did they? they, didn't cheer baseball, did they? No. I don't know why they didn't cheer, but they, but they did cheer what, basketball and they cheered football and wrestling. How come wrestling got him and baseball didn't? I, I don't know. But, folks, we all need some cheerleaders. If you don't have a cheerleader, find somebody that will be a cheerleader for you. We all need cheerleaders. You know, and I've watched this over the many, many, many years. I'm teaching you what to do when you're discouraged. You need a cheerleader. And if a man of God is really doing his job... He'll, he'll be a cheerleader. He'll, he'll say, speak words of life from the Word of God into your spirit to pep you up, so to speak. you okay? Now, now let me just throw this in. You don't want me up here every Sunday just always telling you things that you want to hear. Now, say amen to that. But if I'm doing my job, there ought to be a whole bunch of messages that I preach that ought to cheer you up and build you up. Do you know if you look at Jack Nicholas? Have you ever heard of Jack Nicholas? The great golfer, his coach, his name was Jack Grout, and, and he would watch Jack hit a golf ball. And uh, he'd say to Jack, he'd say, that's the best there ever, that's the best there is. There's nobody going to be able to beat you on a golf course. You're the best there ever was. You know, that does something to your psychology for the good. You know why Tiger Woods, anybody ever hear of Tiger Woods, you know, the, the great great golfer? Almost as good as Jack? Probably in his prime, probably Tiger might have even been better. I hate that's almost blasphemy for me to say that because I think so highly of Jack Nicholas. But you know what Tiger Woods' dad said to him when he was growing up? He said, nobody can beat you. You're the best. You're going to be the best. You're going to be the best. You know, that does something to the psychology of a young person. We all need that. You know, unfortunately, not everybody gets that. Do you know that if you, don't, if you don't have somebody to speak those kind of words into you, it can damage you for your whole life? Do you know there's a lot of people never do fulfill their potential because they didn't have the proper cheerleaders in their life? Do you know that? I've talked to many people over the years, and, and I'm using golf as an example, but when they were little kids, somebody said, you'll never measure up. You're never going to amount to anything. You're not beautiful. I've heard women have said this to me and Diane in the office. My dad told me I was ugly when I was a kid. You know that'll stick with a with a, with a young lady. Is that right? Or they, they, somebody they told me you was fat. They told me I was fat. You know, and it's hard to get that out of your head when you're a ten year old girl or a boy, right? I had, one, I had one lady tell me one time, she said, you'll never amount to anything as a teacher. When I was about 22 years old, you'll never amount to anything as a teacher. I had another lady one time told, tell me, you'll never amount to anything as a minister. You'll you, you never amount to anything. That wasn't quite the way she put it, but that was close enough. You know, that will affect you. That'll, that'll discourage you. That'll, that'll suck all the joy right out of you. You know, I looked up, did did you ever notice a discourage, dis, realize I'd say dis, dis, courage, courage, courage. We all need courage, don't we? We're talking about dealing with discouragement. And that word dis, that's a prefix, it's a Latin prefix, which indicates a negative, uh, or or, a reversing force. And, And I looked up some words with like disability. That's not a good thing, is it? Disaffirm. That's a disbar. Disbelief. Discontent. Disheartened. dislike, Disowned. disobey. I don't like words with dis in front of it. Have you ever been dissed? Somebody, they dissed me? And in this message here, uh, uh, discouraged. What does this do? It, it's a negative. It, it, it's, it's like pulls out. What is discouragement? This, it pulls the courage out of you. It pulls, the, it pulls out of you what needs to be in there. It pulls courage out of you. How many has ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Anybody ever seen that? And that cowardly lion, he had lost his what? His courage and all he needed was the was the guy at the end. What did he give him? Let's see. The the, the tin man got a heart. The and, and what did the scarecrow get? He got a he got a brain. And what did they give? I don't know. Oh, they gave him a, a medal. He gave him a medal. So all that lion needed was somebody to cheer him cheer him on a little bit. Is that right? And most of us, that's all we need is, is somebody to cheer us on. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of us, we may not have gotten that as a kid growing up. But you know what? It's never too late to find somebody to encourage you. And so what's the first thing you need to do when, when discouragement sets in? Stay hooked to the local church and stay hooked to a, a man of God no, not somebody that's always going to tell you what you want to hear, but somebody that's going to take the word of God and and use that to build you up. Can you say amen to that? And somebody to tell you you're ahead, and, and not you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You know, you're somebody in Christ. That's what you need. And you know those words that were spoken into you when you were a kid that devastated you? You know, you know the Word of God can supersede those and we could speak a life into your spirit and get you encouraged. Can you say amen to that? Look at Ephesians 4 very quickly, just very quickly. Verse 11 says, He, Jesus Himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That word edify means encourage. See, if a, if a, if a preacher is doing their job, they're going to be encouraging you. We're talking about dealing with discouragement. You need to hang around the house of God and you need some place where the life of God is flowing, somewhere where the Word of God is being taught, somewhere where, where the message is, is going to be preached to build you up and encourage you. Look at Acts 15, verse 32 in the NIV. Acts 15, verse 32 in the NIV. It says, Judas and Silas, who were prophets, they were preachers, prophets. Notice in the NIV it says that they said much to What? To encourage and strengthen the brothers. Hang around men and women of God that are going to say much to encourage you. Say much to encourage you. You know, I think about Zachariah. We talked about him a moment ago. He's that cheerleading prophet. And when you study into his prophecies in the Old Testament, he really didn't dwell much on the past, really. He didn't even dwell so much on the present, but he had much to say about the bright future that Israel had. And so I'm here today to tell you that, look, I don't know what's happened in your past. I don't even know what's going on in the present right now in your life. But I do know this, that if you'll get into the Word of God and you'll start doing what the Word of God says and you'll start hanging around preachers that will keep you cheered up and keep you keep you, you know, flowing in the right vein, I tell you what, there is a bright future for each and every one of us. Can you say amen? There, there really is. There really is. Even if you're at a place right now where you just can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Look, I have dealt with a lot of people over the years who they couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But God, they turned to God. They hooked into God. They flowed with God. And listen, it didn't happen overnight. But in the process of time, they got to the point where they got out of that tunnel. I like what 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 the Bible says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the... Shadow of death. Well, if you're walking through there, don't stop. Somebody say, "Don't stop. Don't stop. Just keep on going." You know what I'm saying? And and, and a lot of people get into that valley and they stop. Well, don't stop. Just keep on going. Get through there as quick as you can. You know. I like the the Bible says this in in many places. You probably heard this before, but maybe you haven't. So I'll say it. It came to. It came to pass. It came to pass. It came to pass. So so if something has come and it, it looks bad, it looks ugly, just think think of it like the Bible says, it came to what? To pass. I like it when it passes, don't you? When, when the bad stuff passes... So what do you do when you get discouraged? Stay around the local church. A lot of people, when they get discouraged, they run from the, the local church. They, they unhook. I've watched many people over the years, circumstances hit them in their life, and, and, and they just, I've watched so many, dozens, dozens, and dozens of them, and they'll just start unhooking. One of the first things they do is they unhook from church. I think maybe the reason that is, is, I don't know, maybe they get angry with God. I don't know. How many of you know God has never done anything wrong? there's no reason to get angry at him because he ain't just like that one kid in class that time when I was teaching junior high and I just started looking at him. What would you do if I just started staring at you and just stared at you for about 10 minutes? Well, I did that to a kid one time. I probably should. You know, if I was teaching school now, I'd probably get arrested and thrown in prison. But I just was toying with him and I just sat there and stared at him. And he started squirming in his seat, and squirming in his seat, and squirming in his seat. And he started sweating and I, I just, just sitting there looking at him, you know, while everybody else was doing their homework. I just sitting there looking at him. And finally, he put his pencil down and he wiped the sweat off and he looked at me and said, Mr. Shield, why are you looking at me? I ain't did's nothing. <laughs> you know, how many of you know God ain't did's nothing wrong? Is that right? So don't get mad at him. Don't unhook from him. I think I think another reason that people, when, when they, the discouragement hits them, that they one of the first things they do is unhook from church, is I think that a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll come and people, rather than... And this leads into my next scripture. Instead of, I'm not talking about the preacher now, but just the, the, the brethren, the people that they're around in the church, the, the fellow brothers and sisters. I don't know, I just, I, I mean, I just don't want people to feel sorry for me. I do a good job of that, doing that myself. I don't want other people helping me with that. I want people encouraging me, not feeling sorry for me. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is, is I've watched it over many, 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 many years is that somebody hits a hard time and, and, and they'll come and then, and then rather than people just lovingly encouraging them with the Word of God, they'll just start feeling sorry for them. And the next thing you know, they jump in the same boat and everybody's discouraged. No, we need people that will encourage us not feel sorry for us. Amen? Is that right? Encouragement. Building us up. Look at Hebrews 10.25 in the NIV. Look at this. I don't have to worry about you falling asleep on me today. I know you're cold. How cold are you? You okay? Not bad. Okay. Let us not give up meeting together. Hebrews 10.25. As some are in the habit of doing. But let us what? Let us what? Encourage. Now did that say let us feel sorry for one another? Let's let, does it say that let's have a pity party for one another. No, it says what? Let us encourage. encourage. You know that, that word encourage. Leave that up there for a minute if you would. Encourage. I looked up, see how it's spelled E-N? Remember we talked about dis? D-I-S? Well, E-N is just the opposite of dis. So I don't like discourage. I like Encourage, And that's what, we ought to be. that's what I ought to be doing to you as a preacher. I ought to be encouraging you, building you up, lifting you up. And that's what we ought to be doing to one another when we come to church is what? Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. He's talking about the, the day when the Lord returns and all of that. The day of judgment and all. But, but, but we ought to be encouraging one another. So what do you do when you're facing discouragement? How do you deal with it? First thing you do is don't unhook from the local church come be here sit under the word of god and uh, and i tell you what just sitting under the word of god people don't realize this as they should but but i've watched this over the years i've watched people come and they were sick in their body and uh they needed healing and i was teaching on something that didn't have to do with healing teaching on the book of revelation And they think, well, he's not teaching on healing, so I guess I came to the wrong service. Did you know that any time the Word of God is being taught, did you know the anointing of God, the power of God rides on the Word of God? How many of you know that? And I could be teaching on something completely different than healing, but if I'm teaching the Word of God, you can still get healed on it. Did you hear me? And I've got something else that I need to tell you, and I want to be sure I get it in right here so I don't forget it later before you all freeze on me. There's some people in here, I had the Lord speak this to my heart yesterday as I was meditating, and you've been discouraged because the healing hasn't manifested like you thought it should, and you haven't you had really been upset with God at all, but you've kind of questioned, you've kind of wondered about the power of God and why isn't the power of God doing what it's supposed to be doing? Why isn't it? And here's what the Lord wanted me, I feel the Lord wanted me to tell you that you've got kind of the wrong perspective on it. If it wasn't for the power of God, you wouldn't even be alive right now. That puts a whole different spin to it, doesn't it? I wonder how come the power of God's not working. How come it's not working? No, it has been working. If it hadn't been for the power of God, you wouldn't even be sitting here right now. That puts a whole different spin on it, doesn't it? And don't quit on God's power. He that has begun a good work in you will what? He will complete it and finish it. Can you say amen? amen? All right. Now, for the sake of time, what's the first thing I said you should do when you're discouraged? Go to the house of God. Get in that local church. And and then, and then, uh, Brandy, we're going to skip going to First Samuel. I'm just going to tell him this for the sake of time. Does anybody remember what David did when everything, when all, when all hell was breaking loose around him and he came back to Ziklag and, and even his own men were thinking about stoning him? What did he, he encouraged? He encouraged himself in the Lord. And it's in 1 Samuel 30, the first six verses. You can look it up sometime. But you encourage yourself. You know why you need to learn how to encourage yourself? Because you're not always gonna, I mean, you're not all, it's not Sunday every day, is it? It's not Sunday every day. And how many of you know you spend more time with yourself than you do with anybody else? Is that right? Other than the Lord, you know, he's there with you. And that's the point. He's always there with you. But here's the thing. You need to learn to encourage yourself because I'm not always going to be there. I can't be there. I can't be there all the time. Nobody can be. So you need to learn to encourage yourself. Now you say, how in the world do I encourage myself? Well, let me, for the sake of time, let me just give you a little tip here. Go to Hebrews 13.5. Go there very quickly in the King James Version. It'll be on the screen. Here's what I do. In fact, yesterday, I, I, was, I, I, was, I guess it's because I was going to be preaching this message today. I don't know. But I was discouraged a little bit yesterday. Has anybody ever been discouraged besides me? I, I, just was, I was a little down yesterday, wasn't I, hon? A little down. I don't know why. I was just a little bit down. And uh, is it okay if I tell you the truth? It's all right. I was just just a little down yesterday. And uh, notice here, he says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. Well, that just don't always go around saying, "Boy, I wish I had what they had. 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 I wish I was as far along as they were. I wish I had." You know, a lot of the times the people we want to have what that kind of what they got, you don't know all the problems that they have to deal with. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you heard what I just said? It goes back to the Flintstones. Remember the Flintstones? How many remember the Flintstones? And Fred Flintstone wanted to be. The head of the company and Kazoo. Remember little Kazoo? How many that little that little guy from another plant? He snapped his finger and he let Fred be the president of the company for one day. And after one day, because Fred wanted to leave and go home with his friend Barney when the when the, when the, when, the, when, the, when the rooster crowed there, you know, or whatever. How many remember that? Only Fred didn't get to go home, did he? He had to stay and go to the board meeting and answer to the board of directors and all of that. And after one day of being the president of Slate Quarry. Fred didn't want any part of that anymore. He wanted to just go home and be with his friend's, friend Barney. Is that right? So you know, a lot of times we want this, we want that, we want the other. So you want to have a big ministry like Joyce Meyer. You don't know what all that woman goes through. And had to go through to get that. Huh? And then you've got to talk about heating it. You've got to talk about cooling. So you want to be a pastor of a church. So then you want to show up at 8.30 and have your wife call you and tell you the heat's not working. I mean, these are things, you know, I'm just talking about dealing with discouragement. You know, you want this, we want that, we want the other, we want that, we want this, we want the other. Be careful what you wish for. And you don't realize all the problems that come along with certain things. Hmm? Think about that. Oh, if I could just be the boss of the company, you might not want any part of that. Oh, if I could just be the pastor. I remember in this ministry, this, 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 this little church here, I remember years ago, we had $10,000 worth of debt service every single month. Now, that may not be a lot to you, but that was a lot to me. Thank God we got it all paid off. But I mean, before we paid one penny on the light bill, before we paid one salary, before we paid anything, we had $10,000 going out to the bank in debt service. So you want to be a pastor, huh? Even the pastor of a little church. There's a lot that goes into it, dear friends. Let your conversation be without what? What? Do you know what that means? I tried to give you an example of what that means. I wish I had that. 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 Oh, I wish my spouse was somebody... Yeah, thank you. She helps me preach once in a while. Oh, I wish my spouse was like so-and-so. I wish my spouse was like so-and-so. I... Yeah, until you find out that that woman's getting beat up when nobody's looking. Or until you find out he's running around on, on you. Or she's running around on you. Huh? You don't know what people are really like until you live with them for about six months. How long does it take? About six months? Six months is good. It's fair. Am I, am I, am I making any sense... Quicker you get it, the quicker we get out of here. You want to do some jumping jacks? (laughs) Let your conversation be without covetousness. Here's what I do when I'm discouraged. Be content with such things as ye have. For he I'm teasing Bob, I love you. Hey Bob, do you remember that time when the air conditioner broke? And you were back there and you were I don't know what you were doing back there, but you were You were running a garden hose on it so we could be cool in here. That's one of the greatest men you'll ever find, Bob Hill. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every time he vacuumed these floors up here, never charged us a dime. Wonderful, wonderful man. And so I was just ribbing him there just a little bit. He used to work for St. Louis County. Wonderful man. But uh, let your conversation be without what? And be content with such things as you have. So yesterday, I'm out jogging. How many thinks I look better at 165 pounds than I did at 200 and whatever? And t- speaking of Bob there, remember I, he had not said I will never. And that 10,000 I told them about, they can go on the website and see it. It's right on St. Louis County. I tried to get Bob Hill to lower that all these years and he never would. <laughs> I had to throw that. He was a St. Louis County assessor. I'm teasing Bob. I love you. Hey, Bob, do you remember that time when the air conditioner broke? And you were back there, and you were—I don't know what you were doing back there—but you were, you were running a garden hose on it so we could be cool in here. That's one of the greatest men you'll ever find, Bob Hill. I mean, I wish I had a dollar for every time he vacuumed these floors up here. Never charged us a dime. Wonderful, wonderful man. And so I was just ribbing him there just a little bit. He used to work for St. Louis County. Wonderful man. But uh, let your conversation be without what. And be content with such things as you have. So yesterday, I'm out jogging. How many thinks I look better at 165 pounds than I did at 200 and whatever? And t- speaking of Bob, there, remember I, he hadn't seen me in years, and I came up to your door one day and I knocked on it. You opened the door and you had no idea it was me. He wanted to say, "Where's the other half of you, Pastor Terry? Where's the rest of you? Because where's my hair? Yeah, I, said, I got rose hair." The day that I told everybody that I wore a hair—I don't wear it anymore, but I used to wear a hairpiece. If you're visiting, I got rid of it. I wish I had never bought that thing. But the day I got up and I announced to you, I said, "I said uh, I, ha- I have an announcement to make." I said, "Ever notice my hair?" I said, "It's not everything up here in my head's not all mine." And Karen blessed me so that day. She said, "Yeah, it is, Pastor. You paid for it," <laughs> and she did. But I didn't take it off during the church service, did I? You know, the reason I wanted to tell you a week ahead of time is I didn't want you to show up and think that I'd gone into a cult or something, you know, and shave my head off, you know. I look better this way, don't I? I think I think I do. But anyway, I'm picking on you today, Bob. He's a great man. But look at this. Be content with such things as you have. So I'm running yesterday. I do my running. I'm running and and I was. Did I tell you I was a little down yesterday? I told you that, didn't I? And I was crying. <laughs> Have you ever had a down day? Have you ever had your hormones off a little bit? My hormones were off a little bit yesterday. I was a, like Joyce Meyer said. I got up and three of my hormones stayed in bed. You know that's what she said. That's how I felt yesterday. I, you know I'm out running. I was feeling sorry for myself. first time I ever cried running. You know. Do what? I was watching for that dog that ran over me, and so, (laughs) and you know, I ran over here, and it was getting dark, and I looked over, and I saw the light on in my house because I run in the subdivision, and the light was on, and and I knew, and here's what I did. I was so discouraged. I and here's what I did. I thought, you know, I've got a beautiful wife that's in that house making me dinner. You know, there's a lot of men, my wife has supper sitting on the table for me every night when I come home. And if she says 5 o'clock, it's 5 o'clock. Not 5.01. Not five and thirty seconds. And 4.59, no, it's, I mean, this woman is perfect. She's right on the, I mean, she could just, poof, right on the money. When she says 5, it's 5. 5.30, 5.30. I don't know how she does that. You know, there's some men come home. And they've never had their wife have food on the table. Now in Dale and Donna's situation, they're a little bit different. Dale does the cooking. So Dale, do you always have the food on the table when Donna? Yeah, Dale. Good for Dale. So that's fine. doesn't mean a woman has to do the cooking. But here's my case. I'm running and crying. I looked over there and I thought, I've got a beautiful wife. And she's making me dinner. Making me a chicken leg. Had a chicken leg last night. And, and there's some men never get that. Did you know that? Some men never, ha- never have food on the table when they come home. So I start thinking about that. And, and I've got a beautiful wife. And she's got food for me on the table. I've got a beautiful home. I got, I got, it's heated in there. Thank God. And then like this morning. You know, it's a little chilly. I know that in here. But you know what? This makes us real thankful that we have heat. Can you say Amen. So when you're feeling down and you're feeling discouraged, just start getting excited for things you do have. Okay? You might not have a place to live. You might not have anybody to to care for you. I got a beautiful wife. She loves me. You know, I started thinking about it. And then I started thinking about, you know, i got a lot of people at that church that I pastor. They're the best people in the world. And I love them. And they love me. And I tell you, by the time I got done thinking about all the things that I do have, all the things that I don't have kind of faded away. And then I stopped crying. And I just my chest kind of came up. And I just was just by the time. And then mostly I thought, you know, the Lord loves me. Glory to God, Jesus loves me. And by the time then I ran around the road and, and, and I came around the road and I saw my house and Diane had plugged the lights in and I saw the lights on, the Christmas lights, you know. And I came in and I was taking my my coat off or whatever and then she opens the door and she said, Honey, are you okay? I know you're a little down. I want you to know how much I love you. Folks, that's better than a million dollars in the bank right there. How do you deal with discouragement? Start getting thankful for what you do have instead of looking at what you don't. And then, I, I just want to throw this in. I, you know, there was a young Timothy. Remember young Timothy? He was a pastor. And the Apostle Paul wrote First and Second Timothy to this young pastor. And this young pastor, he, as you study, he was timid. And he dealt a lot. I'm convinced of it. He dealt a lot with discouragement. He really did. And Paul would write. And, and he, you could read it in First and Second Timothy. We're not going to turn there for the sake of time. But... He wrote to him and he said he said to Timothy, I'll put it in my own words, he said, He said, Essentially, this is what he said, when you're feeling down, he said, think about the things God has said to you, and the things that God has put in your heart, and and he says, through the laying on of hands and through prophecy and whatnot, and he said, Think about those things, and he says, By those things you'll be able to war a good warfare. Say good warfare. How many of you know depression and and discouragement and depression go they're basically the same thing. How many of you know it's like that can war against you. You can war against your mind and you war against your soul. And and what he told Timothy to do he said is when that's happening think about what God has said to you and meditate on that and by that you can fight a good warfare. You know, I got to thinking back when I was in 19, 20, 21 years old. I'm 54 now. I know I don't look it, but look younger. But 19, 20, 21, right in there. The Spirit of God spoke to me very supernaturally, just very supernaturally, through through a prophet of God and a couple other people, very reputable people, and, and said some things to me about the ministry and whatnot. You know, some of them, those things have come to pass. Some of them haven't yet. Be careful that you don't put your own interpretation on what God is saying, but be that as it may. So when I get real down, I just start thinking about some of those things that the Spirit of God told me all those years ago. I tell you what, it really encourages me. But then somebody will say, well, Pastor, no, nobody, I never got a prophecy. I never got anybody to lay hands on me and prophesy like Timothy had Paul and, and you had that, those people years ago. Well, you know what? I'll tell you something. I think about those things that the Spirit of God shared with me all those years ago. I do think about them Periodically. Especially when I get low, but you know what I do more than I th- think about those things because you know those people years ago could have missed it. you know what I mean they could have missed it, but you know what this Bible has never missed it, and I know if you've read the Bible at all, there's things in that Bible that God has have you ever been reading the Bible and it's just something jumps out at you and gets gets on the inside of you Has it ever happened to you? So you don't need me or anybody else to prophesy to you or give you a word. Read the word. Because I tell you what, I spend most of my time in the word of God and I meditate on things that I know are sure, things that I know are right, things that I know have not been missed. Can you say amen? And meditate on those things. And I tell you what, it will really build you up and it will really, really, really encourage you. And then finally, we'll close right here. Go to 2 Timothy 2. We'll stop right here. Did this bless you today? How many of you are thankful for heat, if nothing else? All right. I like what Rebecca said over there. She said, I'm going to sit close to that little space heater over there. Gary, you've got one right there by you, so we're trying to help you out. That's a space heater over there, right there to your left. See that right there on the floor? Have you ever seen a space heater like that, Paulette? You have? Yeah. I put that in my office at home. Turn that on and just... It just kicks it right up there. It's not going to be much in a room this size, but in my office at home, you know, it's pretty good. Okay, they call that a varnado. A vornado. Well, somebody's correcting me. Who's correcting me? Who was that? Was that you, Bonnie? Were you correct? Oh, it wasn't you? Okay. Second Timothy four 9. We'll close right here. Paul, how many of you know the Apostle Paul? A lot of stuff, hadn't he? How many of you are thankful for a good sound system that never... Makes any noise like that. Okay. I'm thankful. Thankful for Gary back there. He's doing a great job. And Brandy's doing a good job. How are you doing, Brandy? I'm not throwing you off, am I, by skipping a lot of these scriptures? Okay. All right, 2 Timothy 4.9. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Now, Paul. Now, now, think of this. Paul is writing this just a short time before he's going to be put to death. He's, he's in prison. He's in, a, he's in a kind of a tough spot. He said, be diligent to come to me quickly. He's writing to Timothy. He says, Demas has forsaken me. This guy was a close companion of his. Have you ever had a close companion forsake you? That'll cheer you up real good, won't it? He said, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Cressians for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Thank God for the Lukes of this world. You know, there are some Lukes that will stick with you right to the bitter end. He said, get Mark and bring him with you. He's useful to me for ministry. He says, Tychicus, I've left in Ephesus. He said, bring the cloak that I left at Carpus at Troas when you come, and especially the parchments. What was Paul saying? He's saying, bring me the word of God. Why did he want the word of God? Because he needed to be encouraged. And then he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Did you ever have anybody do you much harm? Oh yeah. Join the club. You can't, you're not going to live your life through and not run into somebody that's... That you, some people are going to forsake you. Some people are going to do you not only harm, but much harm. Has anybody ever done you much harm? You know, there's harm and much harm, but much harm. He said, May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he's greatly resisted our words. Well, this Alexander, he must have been a real doozy. He really discouraged the apostle Paul. He said at my first defense, no one stood with me, all forsook me. That'll cheer you up, won't it? No matter what you do in life, you're going to have people walk away from you. You just are. And if you're in a, if you want to be a pastor and get in the ministry, just just you might as well just get ready for it cuz people are going to you're going to pay people's house payments. You're going to pay their car payments. You're going to buy them food. You're going to, going to going to help them with this, that, and the other. And they're going to turn around and walk right out the door and never say thank you, you know, kiss, kiss me goodbye or anything like that. And you know what you have to do? You just have to, instead of getting mad and getting down and getting hurt, and as I've done all that, it don't work. You know what you do? You just smile and wish him well and go on and look for somebody else to help. Can you say amen? That's what you do. He said, no one stood with me, all forsook me. Verse 17, say but. But somebody stood with him. Who stood, who, who stood with him? That's all you need, folks. If everybody else walks away, the Lord will stand with you and strengthen you and encourage you. Can you say amen? Because he said, remember we read earlier, I'll never leave thee nor forsake you. So no, no matter how low you get, no matter how low you go, the Lord's always there to help you. And encourage you and strengthen you. And you know what I find interesting? Think about this. He was in a tough time right here. And he's right in first and Second Timothy. And Paul, in the midst of a tough situation, he's encouraging young Timothy. You know one of the best things you can do when you're being discouraged is just on purpose, bless God, find somebody and encourage them. Did you hear me? Find somebody and encourage them. In fact, I'm going to do this tomorrow morning. I was running along yesterday. Did I tell you I was out running yesterday? (laughs) I'm fooling with him. The cold's getting to me. Did I tell you I was crying when I was running yesterday? And I told you all that. But you know something else that I just decided I'm going to do tomorrow morning? There's a pastor I know of that he's going through some some stuff. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to text him an encouraging text with an encouraging scripture. He won't even, he'll he'll know who, because he's got my number in his phone, but I don't usually, I just don't usually text with him. You know, it's one of these guys, you see him and then you don't see him for a while, and then you see him and you don't see him for a while, but, but I've heard that he's going through some stuff. I'm just going to send him a text and encourage him. And I, and I feel like that we all ought to, and you do this if you want to, but just tomorrow morning when you get up, think of somebody. Just think of somebody. Even if it's your spouse, even if it's a, your, your parent, or just somebody, your child, send it, can we do this tomorrow morning just one time? Yes or no? Find somebody in your life, think of somebody, and just, just send them just doesn't have to be long, but just send them something. I'm going to send this guy a verse of Scripture and just tell him I love him and I'm for him. Why don't you do that for somebody? Will you do that? Yes. We can all do this. So I don't have a phone. I don't have a text. Well, write somebody a letter. Send somebody an email. But do something. Let's just do that. Just tomorrow. Just, 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 and let's encourage. Because what you do for others, what you do for others, God will see happens to you. If you want a cheerleader in your life, then sow some cheerleading. So let's do that. Will you do that with me tomorrow? Just pick somebody. Maybe somebody wanna send me something tomorrow. Send me something. Encourage me. I'd like to hear you're always hearing from me. Let me hear from you. What do you say? Leave a message on the answering machine, you know, instead of me coming in there and hearing, hearing, you know, whatever it is, those robo, how many hates those robo calls, you know? Maybe you'll be on there and I'll hear a message and and say, Pastor Terry, this is Paulette. I just called to encourage you. Let it bless me. Okay? So do it for some, you have to do it for me, but find somebody that you, and, and bless them. Will you do that tomorrow? All right, stand with me if you would. All right. Praise God. Well, I've looked around here as far as I can tell. Everybody's already saved. And so we won't no reason to make an altar call when everybody's saved. Is that right? But uh, if you need prayer for anything, you can come up. If you need prayer to be warmed up, you can come up here and these people lay coats on you. They might not lay hands on you. There's some coats on you. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, sir, that that when we are discouraged and just living in this world, I'm convinced nobody's exempt from facing discouragement. But sir, I tell you what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to just stick close to you and your word. We know that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And as long as we have you, we've got hope and we've got a future. And sir, we're going to stay close to your house, close to your word. We're going to... We're going to surround us with people that will cheer us up and cheer us on. Not people that just always tell us what we want to hear, but people that will tell us what we need to hear, but yet will encourage us. And, sir, we're going to sow encouragement into other people. We're going to sow encouragement into other people. And as we encourage others, we know that encouragement will come to us. And so we thank you, Lord God. We bless you. We praise you. And we give you all the honor, glory, praise, and blessing for your goodness and mercy. In Jesus' name. So listen, right before you leave here, find somebody else. Go to somebody that you normally don't talk much to. Find somebody like that in this building right here before you leave. And just say something nice to him. Just go up and say something nice to him, And then you're dismissed. And we'll see you next week. God bless you. Goodbye. And we'll have a heat fix, too.